Thank you, Tracy, for singing that beautiful testimony this morning. If you will, take your Bible and turn with me to the book of Galatians and uh, chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. And then after you find Galatians chapter 5, I want you to turn to the book of Hebrews and chapter 12. So Galatians chapter 5. And then uh, Hebrews chapter 12. So good to see many of you back in uh, worship with us here today. Cookie, good to see you today. Without glasses today, you've had cataract surgery, so uh, you've had great success with that. Well, that's great. I had cataract surgery, but it didn't help my vision much. Um, I had to keep my prescription. Today I'm going to speak about the work of joy in our life, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, as being one of the fruits of the Spirit. And when you think about the fruit of the Spirit, think about a harvest. Think about a harvest. The, the season of fruit is the season of harvest. And God desires that we all bear fruit and that we become a harvest. And when you think about the fruit of the Spirit, think about a cluster, like a cluster of grapes. And each particular grape might be one of the fruit of the Spirit. But it requires the whole cluster to make a, um, a um, fruit of the Spirit. I want to invite you to join me with prayer. We'll seek the Lord's uh, leadership and blessing here today. And then we'll get on with the message that we have in mind. Our Father and our God, we thank you for this day that you've given us to worship. We ask, O oh Lord, that we will hear a fresh word from you. That our hearts would be hungry to hear what thus saith the Lord. May we hear a fresh word. May we hear a word of challenge. May we hear a word of comfort. Lord, accomplish in the preaching of your word now what you expect us to know and how you expect us to respond, that we might truly bear fruit in our life, and that when people bump into us, they will experience the glorious fruit of your spirit, your presence, and your power within us. We pray all this in the name of Jesus, our Savior, and our Lord. Amen and amen. Well, in Galatians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul speaks about the fruit of the Spirit in verse 22. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. Last Sunday we preached about love, what love is, what love is not. And then today he speaks about joy. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Probably one of the best definitions to understand what joy is, is to look at the example of Jesus. And if you'll read with me in Hebrews chapter 12, we see Jesus living out of joy. Joy, for the Lord Jesus Christ, kept him focused upon his purpose and his mission in the world. And it is God's joy in your life that will keep you focused as well so that you will grow up to bear fruit, that you will bring a harvest to bear in your lifetime. 
In Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1, the writer says, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with patience or endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher or the perfecter of our faith who for the joy set before him. Joy here is in the future tense that the Lord Jesus uh, moved toward in accomplishing God's purpose for his life as he endured the cross. Who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. So yes, uh, Richard, there is a difference between happiness and joy. Happiness is my response to circumstances. There are conditions that I encounter that make me very happy. This week we drove down to Mississippi, Jackson, Mississippi in particular, and we enjoyed two beautiful things. We enjoyed delicious catfish. That made me very happy to have some good Mississippi catfish. A second thing that we enjoyed was uh, picking up uh, two bushels of already shelled purple hull peas. Now does anybody in Kentucky know what a purple hull pea is? Raise your hand if you do. One, and that's it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, you haven't lived until you've eaten purple hull peas. Uh, purple hull peas are a, a field pea. Uh, and they grow, and uh, the harvest comes along about this time of year way down south. And uh, for $38, you can get a bushel already shelled of purple hull peas. Folks, you can't raise a bushel of purple hull peas for $38. Now, I'm going to tell you, it's, it's a bargain. So that made me very happy. These are circumstances I encountered that made me happy. Now, there's something else that happened that gave me great joy. And the joy that I have is knowing that my purple hull peas are in the freezer right now. And when the winter time comes along, I'll be able to pull out a mess of purple hull peas and enjoy them all during the winter. And I will remember the good times that I had growing up shelling purple hull peas. They make your thumbs turn purple. And, um, and I will remember those days and count it all joy. So joy is a response uh, happiness is more of a reaction. And there's a difference between a response and a reaction. Uh, a reaction is uh, just what you respond to just at the minute, at the second. A response is something that happens within you. And joy is something that happens within you. Happiness happens without, on the outside. Joy is something you have that's on the inside. Joy is an inside job. Joy is an inside job. And when we look at Jesus Christ, he had joy in knowing that the Father's pleasure was for him to endure the cross for you and for me. That was not a happy experience. Crosses are not happy experiences. Crosses are challenges. Crosses are, are something we are called to bear if we're going to follow Jesus as our Savior and our Lord. But the good news is this. 
I don't have to endure that cross. Jesus endured it for me. And because Jesus endured it for me, I have a purpose in life. I have redemption. I have deliverance. I have been freed from sin. I have been counted um, not guilty. I have been justified before the Lord Jesus Christ as if I had never sinned at all. There are times in these days that I begin to wonder what eternity in hell might be like. When I think about eternity, I think about um, uh, something the size of this globe and about every thousand years an eagle flies by and lightly touches it. And the time that it takes for that globe, that steel globe to wear down to nothing is just the beginning of eternity. That is beyond my imagination. But can you imagine being stuck in hell for that long? Now, I have to ask myself, do I really believe there is a thing called hell? Well, I believe there's a heaven. And if there's a heaven, there's a hell. And Jesus preached it. And Jesus warned us that you don't want to go there. And he told the parable about the rich man who died and he woke up in hell. And that parable has taught me that there's nobody in hell today that wants you to be there. Number two, it's not fun in hell. It is agony and it is torture. And can you imagine being for eternity stuck in a place called hell and burn and be in torture for all of eternity? Now you and I have had some inconveniences with the coronavirus. And our inconveniences uh, have been to wear the mask, to do social distancing. These are things that have created some inconveniences. But it has not been hell. Hell is total isolation from God. Not just social distancing, but total isolation from holy God. And the only life that there is, is in God Himself. And if Jesus is the Son of God, and if He really preached the truth, which is verified by the resurrection from the dead, then everything He said was true, and everything He preached was true. You and I need to understand that there really is such a place called death and hell. And you don't want to go there. You don't want to spend your whole life trying to be happy and end up missing God's pleasure for you. God's pleasure for you is that you would reign with Him and He would have a love relationship with you and me that lasts for all of eternity. That's God's will for you and for me. But the world says no to that option. And the world is trying to find happiness by attending to its own needs, trying to meet the desires of our own pleasures. We have become a hedonistic culture. We have become so selfish and self-satisfying in our attitudes and our expressions and the choices that we make. And we are the most unhappy people in the whole world. When the surveys are taken about happiness, surveys will tell you that people around the world are happier than we are in America. People around the world have less things in their life than we have in America, but on a happiness scale, they rate much higher than you and me. What's the difference? I'll tell you what the difference is. We're trying to find happiness with having things. We're trying to find happiness with having pleasure. We have equated happiness with the absence of pain. 
And you and I are going to live this life and we're going to face challenges and we're going to face pain. Happiness may come and go depending upon the pain level we experience, but there's one thing we can have that can never be taken away, and that's the joy of knowing Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord. He's coming back for His children. We will reign with Him forever and forever. We belong to Him for all of eternity. And friend, that's my joy. That's my joy. That's where I'm planted. That's what I believe, and that carries me day after day after day in the hope of living forever with Jesus, my Savior and my Lord. Amen? Amen. So I don't have to be happy. Now, I'm going to share something with you today that's going to save your life. The truth is, you are not responsible for somebody else's happiness. I have met so many people who are struggling so hard, particularly parents, to make their children happy. Mom and Dad, the Bible wants to release you from that pressure. It is not your job to make your children happy. You cannot do that. You do not have the power to do that. You have the power to raise them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. You have the authority from God to discipline your children because you love them. But they must choose happiness and joy for themselves. My grandma was a wise woman. She couldn't read the Bible, but she loved to hear the Bible preached. And she had these little zingers that she would say around the house. And one of them was this. Every tub has to sit on its own bottom. Now what Grandma meant by that was this. I am responsible for me. You are not responsible for me, and I'm not responsible for you. You are responsible before God for yourself. And if you're to have joy and happiness in this life, it's something you must choose. Joy is a choice. Happiness is a reaction, but joy is a choice. It's an inside job. It's a decision that you make that you're going to live for Christ and you're going to belong to Him and you're going to be His disciple and you're going to be His a follower, and whatever he says to do, that's what you're going to do. Jesus said, these things I have spoken to you, that you might have what? My joy. And that my joy may be in you, and that my joy may be filled in you, fulfilled in you. So the secret is to make a choice to live in joy. And I can't make that choice for you. You can't make that choice for your kids. Every person must make that choice for themselves. Joy is a choice that we make. When you look in the Bible, there's a word study here I'd like for us to go through. There are several Hebrew words for joy. Um, There are four that are mentioned in the passage of Scripture. But what they 
all ex- what they all express is one thing, a kind of overwhelming reaction and response to the blessing of holy God. It's a way of saying something so good has happened to me, I just want to jump up and turn around in a circle. You ever been that happy? I remember when I went off to college, they told me I didn't score high enough on the ACT exam to get a government loan, and they, they said, now, if you can pass and get a C average, we will give you a loan next semester. Well, I'd worked in the plywood mill, and so I had a little money in the bank, and I went to school that summer, and I took English under the hardest history, uh, English professor they had. They said, don't take Dr. Weber, don't take Dr. Weber. Well, when you're a freshman, you get whatever's left over when you register, and I got Dr. Weber. And I took the final exam, and I went home and waited for my grades to come in. And when my grades came in the mail, I opened them up, and I got a B plus. I literally stood up and went, woo! I was so excited. And I got A's in all my other classes. So I made it through school that summer, and I got a loan to go through the rest of the time. That's joy. Responding to something that's happened to you in a way that says... I just want to go in circles. I am so happy. When was the last time you felt that? When was the last time you felt that? There may be a reason why some churches are shy about the joy of knowing Jesus Christ. They don't want to get too happy. But I like being happy in the Lord. I like (laughs) thinking about being motivated about the truth that I will not spend eternity in the place called death and hell. I just want to go, woo, praise God for that. I just want to go in circles and and get excited and know that I'm going to spend eternity and I'm never going to have to face death. In fact, one of the great theologians said, for those who are Christians, death is not in front of you. Get this, death is behind you. Think about that. I'm not facing death. I've already faced it in Jesus Christ. I have died to myself, the Apostle Paul said, and the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me. So my death is behind me. It's not in front of me. What is in front of me is eternity. And that's worth getting excited about. That's worth experiencing joy. That's something that happens on the inside that will carry you through the rest of the week. The Bible says in Psalm chapter 13, verse 5, But I have trusted in the Lord's mercy. My heart shall rejoice in thy salvation. In other words, I can say amen. I can say praise the Lord. I can say thanks be to God. And get excited about my salvation. You know, it's really been a challenge during the COVID virus thing. Because everything's so backward. Usually, if you went into a a store with a mask on, you were looked at with suspicion, right? But now, if you go into a store and uh, you don't have a mask on, you're looked at with suspicion. In church, we used to register uh, the number of attendants as being high attendance, and we think, well, that was real good. After the coronavirus, we measure success by how many people stayed home. You know, it's a different day. It's a different day. But that doesn't change, that doesn't change my relationship with God through Jesus Christ. 
Changes are going to happen. Conflict is going to happen. Challenges are going to come. And the worst challenge that I have to face in life has already been dealt with. That is my death. That's behind me now. What lies ahead of me is eternal life. So that when I breathe my last in this world, <clears throat> I will awake to God's holy heaven <clears throat> and live with Him in eternity forever and forever and forever. In the New Testament, the Greek words for joy are built upon the word grace. Charis. That's the Greek word for joy. Charis. And that's where we get the word charismatic. And so to be charismatic is to have joy. I hope you're a bunch of Baptist charismatics. I really do. That you've never lost your joy in the Lord. And that you like getting excited about Jesus Christ. I loved it when I heard Rote talk about having to pray after that song this morning. And he said, I hope I can get through it without a tear. Because joy was just swelling up in his heart. In the Old Testament, we talk about the joy of, of knowing the Lord. The Lord's joy, the Lord's delight is in those who fear Him. Psalm 147. The Lord's delight is in those who fear Him and those who put their hope in His unfailing love. God delights in you. God takes great joy in you. Think about that. When what gets God's heart excited, what gets God's heart thrilled and pumped and excited is knowing that you are His. And we are the sheep of His pasture. And that's how much He loves you. And that's how much He was willing to go to the cross and pay that price of death in order that we might be redeemed and be purchased back from death. And now we belong to Him. And folks, that gives God great pleasure. You give God great joy and great um, pleasure. So what do we mean by joy? Our response is to the truth. It is not a response to a stimuli that's in this circumstance or the days that we live in, but our response is to the truth. We live by this truth. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. The Lord says in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17, to command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor put their hope in wealth, which is uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. We own nothing. This will give you, I hope, a great outlook on life. We own nothing. We really don't. But we enjoy everything. Everything that God has given to you and to me in this world are ours by gift from Him. And we don't own it because <clears throat> one day we will have to let go of it. One day we, we're here to manage it we're here as managers of what God has given to us, but we don't own it. And that helps me to know that I can have a consistent joy that outlasts any stock market crisis or outlasts any uh, COVID crisis 
or outlast any other challenge that's going to come my way because my joy in the Lord is in the truth, the truth, the truth that I belong to Him and everything I enjoy is from Him. So let me close by asking you this question. Where does your joy come from? What do you do for joy? What do you do to rejoice? I pray that you have a time in your day set aside for reflection, meditation, prayer, and consider the Lord. I pray that you have a Sabbath in your week that you set aside and say, this is the time that I give to the Lord to focus on Him and rejoice in Him and renew my relationship to Him and the the very truth that I belong to Him for all of eternity. I pray that you are set free from this idea that you are responsible for somebody else's happiness. You're responsible for somebody else's joy. The way to find out if you are still living by that is to look at how you function. People who feel responsible for somebody else's joy are usually over-functioners. They're trying to fill up what's lacking and missing in somebody else's life. And so you're over-functioning. You're doing more than God requires of you. But those who are uh, letting the rest of the world decide how they're going to live, and I'm going to tend to my business, and I'm going to stay in my boundaries and in my relationship with the Lord, all of a sudden, the people around us begin to do the same thing. If you want to see change in your family, if you want to see change in your life, begin to act responsibly for yourself, not for others, but just for you. And when you do that, you'll be amazed at how other people begin to grow up as well. It just happens. It just happens. And as long as you're over-functioning for them, you're really quelching their growth. But when you let them go, you take care of yourself. And you rejoice in how God has called you and equipped you and uh, given you uh, the gift of, of joy and the truth that's in the resurrection of Christ. Then you begin to rest in that joy and let the rest of the world grow up as well. So where does your joy come from? Are you trying to find joy in making other people happy? Or are you finding joy in your present relationship with Christ? knowing that He is your future. He is your future. He is your hope. He is your tomorrow. And the second thing we can do to find joy in our life is to place our obedience to Him and know that we belong to Him and we will follow Him and we will do as He has called us to do. How many of you have heard the sermon, Joy is spelled J-O-Y? J stands for, this is where you talk back. (laughs) In that sermon, J-O-Y, J stands for Jesus, O stands for, and Y stands for, when you get that in that right priority, that right perspective, you will restore the joy that's in your life. Because now you're serving out of obedience to Christ. Not to make somebody else happy, not to overfunction for others, 
but to just be present with Christ and find that in Him, hear this, hear this, hear this, to discover that in Jesus, I'm enough. I'm enough. I'm a joyer. I'm a hoper in Jesus Christ. Our Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for this hope that we have in Jesus. For the joy that we have of serving you and walking with you by your Spirit. Lord, remind us that it is your Spirit in us that's giving us joy. Your power and your presence renewing us, challenging us, strengthening us, helping us to be faithful to obey you and to serve you. That brings us joy. And Father, we pray that this fruit will come to harvest in our life this week. That when somebody bumps into us, we'll spell out some joy. And let them know that we are renewed and refreshed and we have hope for tomorrow. Because we have Christ as our Savior and our Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.